down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. That is our heart for you guys. That is Caitlin and I's desire for this whole event, that we would grow in loving one another. And that's how it starts. This is my commandment, that you will love one another. And so, first point, Jesus is our perfect friend because of his sacrificial love. Verse 13 says, Greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. Caitlin touched on this, but this idea that Jesus was in perfect fellowship with his Father and the Holy Spirit. Their friendship was perfect. It was so delightful. It was all satisfying. It is. It was anything you could imagine in a friendship. And they've been in unity since eternity past, enjoying one another's company. And Jesus left that unity that fellowship, that friendship to be born and to live among us. He left his tight-knit friend group. He left his siblings that made him feel so safe, so happy. He left it all so he could bring you and me into relationship with him. There is no greater love. And he did that because he wanted to bring more people in. Isn't that so cool? That's our problem. We love to be inclusive. I wanted to be just with my sisters on my wedding day, but there was other people I could bring in, and that's the last thing on Jesus' mind. He's all about bringing us in. There is no greater love. And so not only did he leave the Father and the Son to be born, but on the cross when he took on our sin, God the Father could not look at him. God the Father can't see sin, and Jesus was taking on our sin. And so God had to forsake his son. It wasn't just that there was a little bit of separation or a little bit of conflict within their fellowship. It was totally broken. On the cross, Jesus said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because he had all of our sin, and the weight of that, God the Father forsook him turned his back on him. He endured that separation to bring you guys in. There is no greater love. And so Jesus is our true friend because he has loved us like that. And when we come back and we meditate on truths in God's word, on truths about this reality, it fills us up. Jesus is the only one who will fulfill you. And this is why. Not only this, but he is transparent with us. I just love this. In verse 15 it says, No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. Jesus is opening up his heart to us. And we all appreciate when our trusted friends are vulnerable and transparent with us. We really value 
times when we get to sit down and they share their hearts with us. I even remember a time with Autumn when she really just shared some deep things. We had a, a long friendship together. She shared some things she'd never shared with me. Those moments are very special. You feel honored, loved, and trusted in those moments. And Jesus is coming to us, these lowly people he's created. He created us. He's so far above us. And he's saying that he's sharing to us all that the Father has made known to him. He's being totally open and honest with us. He's sharing it all. It's as if we're in um, like a lowly servant, invited into the king's you know, war room gathering where he's sharing all the details, all the things we'd want to know, and we get to listen in. And he's sharing that all to us through his word. Do you treasure reading God's word, praying with him like you would sitting down with a friend who's going to be really vulnerable with you, who's going to be totally transparent? That's what God's word gives us. It shows us the very heart of God, and it opens up his whole life to us, what he believes, what he's all about. And he's inviting you to say, come, learn who I am. Come. And we can do it only when we come to his word, when we study, when we pray. What an amazing invite. But not only that, we can know him, but he knows us. Galatians 4 says that we are known by God. He created us. He made us. He knows everything about us. This is hard for me to understand. I'm not naturally a vulnerable person. And when somebody told me in high school, the greatest thing that we want is to be known, I thought that was weird. (laughs) That didn't sound like love. But it's true. We all long to be known for who we really are and then loved. So often around church, we think we know what people want to see, and so that's what we put on. And it's not who you are. God knows exactly who you are. He created you that way, and he is happy that that he loves that that's how he created you. And we have so much joy when we understand, okay, this is who I am. This is how God created me, and I can bring glory to God this way. I don't need to pretend. The same way that we might put on a face at church, we often do this in our prayer times. We come to God thinking he wants to hear certain prayers or wants to know certain things about our life. He knows everything. He wants us to come and share it all. And what a beautiful thing. Sometimes it's almost like we have to think through the day to be able to bring all of our burdens, all of our struggles to him because if we're not thinking and praying about it, how will we be able to see how God is answering? And so we have this relationship with Christ, totally transparent. We know everything we need to know about God through his word. He knows us come perfectly, and he loves us, all of us. We know that because he died for us. And so we have this connection with him. And not only that, but he has powerfully called us to be his friend. Um, let's read verses, verse 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. Imagine somebody who seems so far above you. Maybe they're, they, you think they're high strata or they're just 
older than you. You admire them, but you feel like you could never be their friend. And it's what you long to be. They seem like super fun, or they love the exact same things you love. And, but you know they're just out of your league. Your only hope is if they pursue you. If they come into your life and make friends with you, it's beautiful. And that's what Jesus did for us. He is so far above us. He is the creator. He holds everything with a word. He sustains you and me. He is so powerful. He stops the storm with a word. And yet he is choosing you and me to be his friend. He has done it. What's crazy is that even though we could not be his friend, and he has chosen us, another crazy element is we would never want to be his friend. Our, our hearts are blinded. We would never even desire his friendship. And so Jesus comes and he opens our eyes to the truth, and then he brings us into friendship with him. And he does it for a purpose, to go and bear fruit. I think this fruit can be many, many things. But I love thinking about the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians. And there's two lists in Galatians. There's the fruit of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit. And I just was meditating on the list of the works of the flesh. And I think all of us have experienced things in that list I'm going to read. Um, I just love this idea. When you're experiencing these feelings, it's as if the Holy Spirit is putting up a little red flag and he's reminding you, you're walking in the flesh. You're not walking in the Spirit. You're walking in the flesh. I want you to go and bear fruit that will abide, that's in the Spirit. But you are walking in the flesh right now. Some of the things on this list are idolatry, enmity, strife, Jealousy, rivalry, divisions, envy, things like that. Don't we have those in our friendships? And so often we feel like it's the other friend's fault. And yet as long as we have these emotions, we are in sin. We are walking in the flesh. We can repent and be forgiven. And the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace. If we have these things in our friendships, how sweet that would be. Patience for one another. Gentleness faithfulness, self-control. That's what we need in our friendships. And only the Spirit can do that. It is a fruit of the Spirit. It is a work of the Spirit. And He can do it in your life. He can transform your friendships to be filled with those fruits. And what a beautiful thing that would be if the friendships at our church were filled with those fruits. Joy, peace of love, of patience. Christ has powerfully chosen us. And, I mean, Caitlin did such a great job of touching on this, but we all long to be friends with people who have similar interests. It can be so fun to look to the side and see someone doing the same thing as you, loving the same sport, loving the same um, studio, loving the same shows, loving the same, reading the same Bible reading plan, loving kids the same way you do. It's so far. I've had a, some really sweet friendships that they, we just do the same things together. And it's such a gift. But in our church, it can become such an idolatry. 
of feeling lost if, if your friend doesn't like volleyball as much as you do, or your friend doesn't um, read, enjoy the same books. You feel, um, can feel awkward. And that's, that's God is saying that we can be in fellowship one another because of Christ. We can be everyone's friend in the body of Christ because we share a similar interest, which is Christ. But there is some truth to this idea that friendships, similar friendships are sweet. Let's think about our friendship with Christ. We are a friend with Christ. And the whole Christian life is about becoming more and more like him. Romans 8 talks about how he's, we are being conformed to the image of the Son. That's Christ. And so as we live our Christian life and pray and read our word and go to youth group, God is making us more like him. So we're friends with Christ, and as we go through life, we're becoming more like him. So we are having more similar interests, more similar desires. And this friendship is going to grow sweeter and sweeter. And then one day, when we stand before him, we will perfectly be like him. And our friendship in heaven for eternity will be so sweet. And all of us will be like him. And so all of us will be just like each other. Won't that just be beautiful? And so how? How do we grow? How do we grow into becoming more like Christ? Well, a lot of times, God uses suffering. God uses hard things in our life to make us more like him. And it feels very hard in the moment. But so often when we look back, we see God's hand making us more like himself. And it's so sweet. It's so good. And we get to enjoy a sweeter fellowship and friendship with him. The Lord used um, a hard thing to sanctify me. He allowed me to get married, but I moved. when I lived in California, and after we got married, I moved here to Rockford. And leaving my family was really hard. I didn't fully understand how much I depended on my sisters and my parents for security and love and fellowship. And it was really hard. And yet I can say that God has used that to make me more like him, to be able to love Sam better, to be able to love the people of this church better. I think back to my church before I got married and I did not love them as much because I could always go back to my family. I didn't pour my life out for them because there's just always something going on at, at my house. And yet now I get to love the church even better. And it, he even stretched me enough to be willing to call Autumn this week and apologize for what has happened. And so it is my prayer that we all can grow in our love of Christ so that we can obey this command. The last verse says, these things I command you, so that you will love one another. Let's pray. Lord, we are so thankful that you would leave your wonderful, perfect friend circle to save us, to bring more people in. And so if, if any of us here are struggling with that tight-knit friend group, or we're um, idolizing our siblings. Lord, help us to give it to you. 
to surrender it, to say, Lord, who should I be bringing in? Who am I missing who feels like an outsider? Who is it that you're challenging me to love instead of being focused on myself? Lord, we thank you that you alone will give us the power to truly love one another. And I ask that our love can abound more and more this year with knowledge and all discernment so that we can approve of what is excellent. Lord, would you bless the rest of this month. Lord, keep us close to your heart. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to do a little small group time now. So make groups of maybe four or five. And then there'll be some questions on the screen to ask. If any of you just feel confused, like you have a really difficult friend situation, or you're, you're just broken, like the Lord has convicted you, um, Caitlin and I will be up here if anyone wants prayer. So, enjoy.